Well, good evening. Welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. Well, this evening's message is taken from our Christmas Eve candlelight service. And tonight, we arrive at the penultimate title for our Lord, as the angels declare the birth of the newborn Savior to be Christ the Lord. Thanks for joining us on our Christmas Eve evening service as we examine the Chosen One as the Messiah. I was telling my kids on the way up here that I did not have an opening sermon illustration for tonight, and then I thought of a hunting story. <laughs> That's right, hunting story. Here, here, here it is. Um, some of you saw the uh, trophy buck that the Lord allowed me to snag a couple uh, a year ago, and um, I remember that whole week of that hunt was filled with disappointment. It started out on the very first day as the guides told me that the night before on the trail cams they had seen, and I quote, a parade of bucks. And I sat there, and do you know how many deer I saw? None. Zero. And then the next day, a beautiful eight-pointer came out, and I took a shot, and I missed, because it needed to be a sermon illustration, I guess. And then... Uh, um, I, I don't know if there's any hunters out there, but do you pray? Anyone pray when you're... Yeah, thank you. If you're honest hunters. Now, I don't mean holy, righteous prayers. I mean, <laughs> Lord, if you could send me a big buck. That kind of prayer. Now, I'll be honest, because I remember feeling a little bit dejected, and I'm out there trying, and Lord, if you just send another big buck. And, and he did, and it was a 10-pointer, and it was beautiful, and it was my redemption shot. And I pulled out my bow, and I missed again. <laughs> And I was so dejected that I resolved in my heart not to tell anybody. I wasn't going to tell anybody that I had once again failed as a hunter and as a man. Because <laughs> that's how I was feeling. So I, I didn't tell anybody that I had missed. And, um, and then it came to that final last day. And uh, as some as I told the story to, I had mentioned to you that really in my heart I had resolved just to thank God. Just to thank him for all that he had given me. And yet I was still trying to bargain with him just a little bit. If you could, if you could, just send me one more chance. And, and the deal that I made with God was this. I said, God, if you give me the chance for one more deer, I'll tell everybody what a screw up I am. That, that was my deal. Because I, I had kept it hidden up to that point. And part of me kind of was hoping I wouldn't see a deer come because then I wasn't going to have to tell him. But sure enough, that beautiful 12-pointer came through. And after a, after a couple arrows, I can tell you the story some other time, uh, I got him. And uh, the, whole, the whole camp uh, came out with Mike and I to, to see the deer. And all of those mighty hunters that I was with, they were so incredibly impressed with the deer. And they wanted to hear the story. And so I got behind his antlers and I told them about what a bad hunter I was. That's what I told them. <laughs> But they didn't want to hear that story. They wanted to hear the story about this buck. And yet in my heart, I had already resolved, Lord, this is what I was going to do. If you gave me this chance, I was going to come clean with the other one that I had missed and, and really thank you and give you all the credit and glory for it. And uh, those hunters were patient with me. But that wasn't, the, that wasn't the real story they wanted to hear. Nevertheless, that's the testimony that I had. That this wasn't by some um, years of ability or... Um, uh, a great uh, technical strength of my bow or my skill to aim, 
I'm really not the best hunter, folks. I know it takes you by surprise. I was given this. I was given this opportunity. And I was given success because God gave it. God gave it to me. Now, I'm already, if you ask my wife, she and I, she's much, she's much more attuned to being able to credit God for the things that happen in her life. And I'm sometimes a little bit more, I don't know, skeptical sometimes. I don't know if God's always wanting to just give me the things that I want. And what I've discovered is that the difference is not that in my life God isn't working and that in her life it is. The difference is she's recognizing the correct things that come from God and I'm learning how to do a better job of that. How about you? How are you doing with that? Can you think of a story in your life that you would credit not to your own ability, not to the skill of your weapons or tools or ability to aim. Can you think of a story in your life that you'd just be willing to share about the grace of God, what he did, what he gave, that he gets all the credit and glory? Tonight, that's the story that we got to hear. It was the start of what would transform the world. The earth, in fact, the new heavens and new earth. It starts in this story. And in Luke chapter 2, we had it accounted for us as Sam read, once more as the angels, they come and they deliver to the shepherds the message of good news, the message of peace, the message of glad tidings, And the message of joy. What I'd like us to do as we just spend a little bit of time looking into this story. Is that we would be able to recognize there is for you and I a pattern. And a purpose. There's a pattern by which God invites us to share in the story. And there's a purpose behind what he wants to work out in your life as you participate in that story. For me on that hunt, I went in without knowing how the week would end, but I came out with two new characteristics. I came out humbled. (laughs) I would, let me tell you guys, I was humbled. And I also came out thanking God. And that's my hope tonight, that as we walk through this, you'll be able to leave as well with humility and with praise on your lips for the love of God. A couple of things that I want to point out to you as we would recognize this pattern. Uh, There is for us in our study of the chosen one, a title that stands above all other titles for the prophetic recognition of the chosen one. It almost is a synonym for this phrase, the chosen one. In Hebrew, you'd pronounce it Messiah or Messiah. If you were Greek, you would translate that as Christ. And this word above all other words is, for those who hear it, the identifying title for the king above all kings and the Lord above all lords. If you have your Bibles, look with me in the text again at Luke chapter 2. For the angels come and they come to shepherds. In their fright, the angel says in verse 10, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. This is all the what is happening. And then the angel announces the who. And this is the defining characteristic. 
Yes, go to Bethlehem, city of David. Yes, he's the Savior. But more than that, he's given this title. Verse 11 says, He is Christ the Lord. That's it. The chosen one. This word Messiah gets transliterated. I've used that word a few times. That means we just take the sounds and we make them sound English. Um, We do that with a lot of Christian words, unfortunately, and we end up missing the meaning of those words. Messiah means anointed. That's what it means. And it was the signifying action to show those who had God's approval and those who rule. That's what it meant to be anointed. Very early on, that word is only used as an adjective. You would use it to describe somebody. And then in the later time of the Septuagint, this is the early writing of taking the the Hebrew scriptures and recording them into Greek. That word that was an adjective, it becomes a substantive word. Not just a description, but now an identifier. You would refer to Messiah as unanointed one. And then in the intertestamental period, this period of silence, 400 years from the time of the last prophet on to John the Baptist, this word Messiah takes on a new meaning. No longer simply substantive to refer to any, but now singular. We're looking for not a Messiah, we're looking for the Messiah. Again, in Greek, this is Christus. In English, Christ. And so you and I have it written. Five little words in verse 11. This one who's born in a manger. This one born in the city of David. This one who will be the savior for all people. He is Christ the Lord. Amazing, isn't it? The Messiah. So if this meant he's the king of kings, if this meant he is the Lord of lords, if this was God's plan, imagine with me who should be the ones to whom this pronouncement gets made. Right? If if you were going to announce the new king above all kings, the anointed one, the Messiah, who is it that we should tell the first? Should we get CNN on the phone? Right? Who who should we tell the first? It's got to be some politician somewhere. It must be, what's the strongest ruler, the highest office? We need to go announce it to them. But that's not who God chooses. Do you know who God chooses? Shepherds. That should strike us as a little bizarre. Here we are talking about this singular one, the Savior of all mankind, and you're telling me the folks who are going to get the announcement are the sheep herders out in the fields? In fact, if you look back with me in the text, I could paraphrase a little bit for you. In verse 8, it says the shepherds were living on the fields nearby. My text says keeping watch over their flocks by night. Really what this should say is minding their own business. That's what they were doing. They were just doing what shepherds do. And God came not to the kings. God came not to the religious elite. God came not to those who walk around in the flowing robes and love to be seated at the front in the highest places of honor. No, God came to the humble shepherds. All right. So if that's unique way in which God operates for the announcement of the Messiah, 
What should the conditions be around which this Messiah is born? Now, ladies, when you were having your children, I've got to be careful here. Did you expect the hospital to have things clean? Any, anybody there? No? Did you expect your husbands to have a go bag ready, right? Did you have all the materials you needed, right? How many of you had goats with you? Any, no, no goats during birth. <laughs> Sarah was double checking. I saw no sheep, right? No cattle. The birth of the Messiah should have been in the nicest hospital in the land. They should have had the most learned, experienced. Uh, it's not surgeon. What would it be? I'm out of my depth here. What? what midwife. We'll go with midwife for now. Thank you. Obstetrician. Thank you. My guess. Uh, doctor. You should have had the, the one who knew more than anybody else there for the delivery. And yet you, you and I know the story. There's not even room in an inn. They're left into the stables. Some liken it onto a cave where the animals take shelter. And it's not simply, it's not simply, and I say simply almost with irony that the Christ child would be born of a virgin. But if you look with me back into the text, look at what the angels say in verse 12. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in the nicest NICU in the land. Not at all. Lying in a manger. That was... For these humble shepherds, according to angels, the sign. Did you catch it? That was the sign that this is the Messiah. That he was born not with pomp and great um, fanfare and wonderment. Know that he is born in humility. That message is given to those who are the most humble. And so for you and I, this is going to be describing for us a characterization of the chosen one, the one to whom you and I are tasked to follow. That his entrance into the earth, his very announcement to mankind is given in humility. The same characteristic now offered to you and I to follow this King of kings and Lord of lords, the Messiah, the Christ. That's the purpose. Now I want to give you the pattern. Because as the angels come to the shepherds, they start with the announcement. And the announcement offers to them an invitation. Come and see. Come and see. This, this will be the sign. This is what you will find when you go to Bethlehem. The shepherds themselves in verse 15 says, when the angels had left had gone into heaven, they said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And I'm struck once more reading a text that I've read many times and now asking the question, isn't it peculiar the way in which God involves humans in his plan of redemption? Isn't it peculiar? The shepherds were just keeping watch over their sheep. They were minding their own business. The angels come and what is it they say? We have good news of great joy. The announcement according to the angels is for what people? Did you catch this? Where does it have this? In verse 10. 
I bring you good news of great joy that is to be for how many people? What does it say? All the people. A a, a global announcement here given to shepherds. And lastly, I want you to see that the involvement for the humans upon God's plan of redemption is one that leads to peace. Look at the declaration of the heavenly hosts in verse 14. When God is glorified on high, which is, by the way, the best thing for you. When God is glorified on high, this then extends peace to mankind. They add within there, upon those on whom his favor rests. And yet we can't miss that the plan of God in redemption is to come and to bring peace. And so here's the pattern. Come, come and see. Come and see what God has done. That's step one. And I just, I wonder where you are at in your journey. That may be where you're at. Maybe you're at step one with the invitation. Would you come and see that which God has done? It's good news. It's worth great joy. These are glad tidings. They will deliver to you peace. But that's only step one for the shepherds. Because as we see in verse 15, step two, they say, let's go. Step one is come and see. Step two is follow with what God has delivered to you. Follow what God has said. And so the angels spoke to the shepherds and the shepherds followed what God had said. Now, it's not in this text. If we looked at Matthew's account, we have the Magi and the Magi also followed what they believe God revealed to them in the star. Maybe that's where you're at tonight. Maybe that in your journey, you have come and you've witnessed. And for you, there is an exchange to say, I want to accept Christ as my Lord, the Messiah, King of Kings. And so what's left for you now is to follow. Keep following him. He is the chosen one. What is it that God has said to you? If you're beyond step one, maybe step two is where you need to continue tonight in following him. But I want you to see it doesn't end there either. For the shepherds, they come and they see, verse 16, they found Mary, Joseph, and the baby, just as the angel said, lying in a manger. Now watch this in verse 17. When they had seen him, oh, what did they do? Do you see it? When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. Step one is come and see. Step two is follow. And step three is go and tell. Go and tell this amazing thing that God has shown you. And so this is where I want us to land for tonight. Sometimes when I think of the call to the church, sometimes I think I get confused with it because I think I have to be more like the angels. But I'm not an angel. Are you an angel? I'm not an angel. Just ask my wife. I'm totally not an angel. (laughs) And in not being an angel, I can't do what angels do. I can only do what shepherds would do. 
And if you look with me towards the end of this passage in verse 20, notice what the shepherds did. The shepherds returned. Returned where? Where did they return? They went back to work. Right? They went back to their fields. But they went back to their fields transformed. And so you as well, you get to leave tonight. (laughs) Right? Nobody's staying around. We're going to lock the door. You're going to leave. Christmas is coming. You're going to go back. You're going to go back to where you were. But I pray you go back transformed. I pray you go back changed just like the shepherds do. And so watch the characterization. They go back returned two things. Glorifying God and praising God. That's what you get to do. That's the amazing thing that you now get to do. To glorify God with your life. To praise Him for the wonderful things that He has done. And the second thing the shepherds do is says they praise God for what? For the things that they had heard and the things that they had seen just as they had been told. And so I want to try something. I want to try something I've never done before on a Christmas Eve. Can we do that? <laughs> you don't have a choice in it. I'm going to do it whether you say yes or no. Here's what, here's what I want us to try. I have already asked you if you have a story like mine. A story of not your own merit, not by your own doing, but a story of something God's been teaching you. A story of something that God has shown you by his grace, how he is working in your life. And here's what I want you to do. Turn, turn to your neighbor, just real quick. Look, look at your neighbor around you. I want you to talk to them in church right now. Here's what I want you to do. It's a little scary. Some of you may need to do this. I see some of you holding children. You've got to get close to the ones holding children here. They're, they're going to use their children as shields so they don't have to talk to you. <laughs> They're not going to, that's not going to work. So you might have to put your arm over the, over the pew and turn around and talk to them. But here's what I want you to do in just two minutes. That's it. Just two minutes. I want you to share with your neighbors. Again, two minutes. Ain't like my, one of my sermons here. Keep it short. Um, what is, what is God, what is God teaching you? What is God showing you? What is the story of his grace in your life right now that leads you to glorify him, to praise him? And to thank him. I'm going to play away in a manger here on the guitar. I'm going to give you two minutes. You ready? Everybody ready? I didn't get a single amen on that. Are you ready? All right, go ahead. Two minutes. Turn to your neighbors. Something that God has shown you.